about time for true crime hey <laughs> hey oh hi how y'all doing oh doing um how's that weird co-worker mine smells a lot better these days mine's in my kitchen and is using my nail polish it's such a cute color i Thank can't you. not um, check out Lights Lacquer if you haven't. We I'm like obsessed it. with her. I love Kathleen Lights. They're so good. And they don't even chip. And like, I'm a girl with very, this is a weird thing to say, oily fingertips. I feel like my nail polish comes off like the second day I have it on. Oh my, say this that again, but like it. slower. Have like oily fingertips. Oh, that'll hold me over. Uh, okay. Anyway. Um. <laughs> no, but th- they really don't chip. Like I used to be like, oh, okay, I'll get OPI. Yeah. And then that always chipped. And then I was into like gel nail polish so i'd go and like if i got it done or i bought the light and i had like the whole kit and then i started having like reactions to the light yeah and i'm like wow this can't be good and like then i looked into it i'm like i really shouldn't be using that light huh? yeah that's not good so then i stopped and i was like well shit everything chips on me like you did the dishes one time and it's, yeah you're done for so god forbid you wash your hair so. yeah and i'm like okay so i guess <laughs> i'll just stop doing the dishes and oh no <laughs> but yeah no i really this is like the first brand that's not twenty dollars a bottle that i really yeah. appreciate they're like all 11 bucks which i think is reasonable for how many times you get to use it yeah i'm and with you i probably have one of every color and i would recommend that and if kathleen lights if you ever listen to this and you want to give us a promo code um hit your girl up because okay? we will use it <laughs> both oh, of yeah. us love it so very cute very good but anyway not the point not how the, the point. hell are you oh you know oh you how know about you um oh you know <laughs> <laughs> i'm good uh life is life these days yes my cat's cute yep it's summer spending some time in the sun Mm. you recovered from your sunburn i did that was tough um also it's just been nice because i've kept august pretty open good you know uh it was a very busy june and july for me so i am excited to just do nothing for a while here Mm -hmm. i love no plans on my calendar it is so sexy there's nothing hotter to me than like <laughs> a weekend on the couch with the ac on watching oh. a tv take a dip in the pool in the afternoon and come home exhausted oh the nap after a day at the pool or oh like the gosh. sleep after after the yeah. shower your hair doesn't have chlorine in it anymore and you're like i smell good i oh, feel yeah. fresh and i'm gonna sleep amazing <laughs> <laughs> yeah I love it. But that's it. That's the summer vibe. My cat's good. He has his vet coming up, his vet appointment. So hopefully we won't need to up it from the 900 milligrams of gabapentin he'll be on to go to that. Yes. Knock we've on got wood. That. <laughs> that's so fucking much. He literally needs to be like sedated. Yeah. And it doesn't even work. Yeah, last time he was on 600 milligrams and it was 300 one day, 300 the next day, and he still almost didn't get there. Nutty. Nutty. But hopefully he's been getting a little bit better. He's been being a little cutie lately. We love to see that. Yeah, he's been giving me like really loud purrs and normally he has what we joke are secret purrs. (laughs) <laughs> where you can hear them if you're like really close to him, but they're not really loud. And lately he's just been like a little motorboat. Cute. I love that. Anyway, um, that's the Newton update. 
Newton. That's pretty much it. Mia Bean is always cute as heck. Mia, if you guys hear a cat randomly in the background, I try not to acknowledge it because if I look at her, then she's going to like want to tell me everything about her day. Yeah. And which I'll totally listen. Don't worry. There's no abuse going on in this house. I will listen when we're done recording. Yeah. She just just needs to learn patience. It's just like, girlfriend, we don't have a mic for you yet. It like comes in and out. It's true. You know, it's just hard. I'd love to make her our third host. Oh, uh, she would do it. She'd have a lot oh of my really gosh. valuable. Could you imagine her with a little headset mic on? Of course I could. <laughs> she would have a lot of valuable <laughs> input because she's also very passionate. It's true. It's like mother, like daughter and Cute so. little chatterbox. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot there. Anyway, I hear that today is supposed to be a very good case. Oh, did you? I did. Oh, my. Um, I heard it on like the grapevine, mm. like rumor mill, all that good shit. I love that. But were they wrong? I don't know. You're going to have to tell me at the end. Okay. But I am definitely telling you a case you've never heard of before. I do know that. Ooh, okay. So I think, well, we'll just get into it, shall we? I think we shall. So all the skippers, you guys should stop. Hi. Hi. Hey. Hello. Welcome back to your favorite true crime podcast. <laughs> You guys, so flattering. A reminder to please rate, review, subscribe, follow, tell a friend, and also please keep your hands, arms, feet, and legs inside the podcast at all times because this is going to be a bumpy ride. Holy shit. All right, I'll buckle up. Today, we are covering the murder of Janie Ballard. Whomst? Some sources include... Arkansas Online, NBC News, CNN, CaseLod, ARC.org, Southern Fried True Crime... Ooh. Um, and vengeance killer families. Everything's linked in the show notes. You guys know that. But if I don't say it at the front, you guys know I'm not going to remember. I do. I do know that about you. So to give you a very little brief heads up of what we're going to be talking about today. 58-year-old Janie Ballard was found dead by her good friend, Officer Mickey Halloway. Ooh, okay. She was found having been viciously attacked just 24 days after her husband, Lester Ballard, had passed away in hospice. Holy cow. Oh, that poor woman. So we're going to leave a pin there and we're going to jump back to find out a little bit more about the Ballard family. All right. Take me back. Janie and Lester Ballard were prominent business owners in their community in Little Rock, Arkansas. They were very hardworking. They were friendly. They lived a pretty simple life. They weren't interested in like the glitzy or costly lifestyle, though they could afford it. They ran their business. They spent time with their family and enjoyed each other's company. The Ballard family name was one you'd recognize if you were a local. They owned a printing company called Shepherd's Printing Company. And when they first started, it said that Lester would actually ride his bike to deliver supplies to customers. Oh, like that's that's when you would see him. And they sort of they learned the business inside and out and they grew it into a multi-million dollar company. Holy hell. And because of that, they were really well respected in the community because they were sort of the pinnacle of the American dream. Right. Proof that hard work pays off. And they really they came from humble beginnings. They didn't come from money, but they made money. And on top of that, they were just really kind and humble people. And the people that had worked They were just kind and humble people who had worked hard and they didn't flash their money all over the place. Right. And they had just kind of built it themselves. The same cannot be said for their daughter, Leslie, though. And we will be talking about her. Okay. But to speak further of their character and more specifically Janie's, 
Locals even recalled that one of their employees at this printing company had had a, a family member had gotten ill. I'm not sure exactly what it was, but some kind of health, health complications. And to help, Janie alleviated the financial burden and just covered the cost of the treatment for them just to oh, help out an employee. Oh, okay. And that was just out of the goodness of her heart. That wasn't for recognition or praise or to look good doing it. It was just because she cared about others. And if she was able to help, she was going to do that. I love that. Janie was described by all who knew her as kind. And that's the word that would just keep coming up when you hear from anyone about her. Everyone's moved to tears when they talk about Janie. And what they remember the most is just her kindness toward other people. And for someone who was very well-to-do, she didn't act like she was very well-to-do in that sort of stereotypical kind of a dick way. Regardless of her importance, she wasn't self-important. Yes. Yeah. She was sweet and caring, and she just wanted to do right by others, and she loved her family more than anything. And she was often seen donating her time and her money to causes that she was passionate about, so she didn't just say it, she meant it. I love that. But more than anything in the world, the Ballards loved their daughter, Leslie Jane. Okay. Who was definitely named after both of them, Lester and Janie. She's Leslie Jane. Oh, okay. So little mix of their names. And when Leslie was growing up, she was an only child. I believe her dad had been married previously and he'd had a child or maybe a few children from a previous relationship. But between Lester and Janie, it was just Leslie. Okay. And she grew up as an only child. So she wasn't raised alongside those other siblings. I believe they were significantly older than her. Okay. She had a great relationship with her parents. And as she got older and into adulthood, her and her mom were more like best friends than mother and daughter. They had just sort of gotten to that point. They did everything together and they were together all of the time. It was a very wholesome relationship to say the least. And the locals really noticed that because they had kind of seen Leslie grow up and they were just like, oh, it's so sweet. She's so good. And she's what a good kid. Yeah. Also, I just looked up pictures they're a nice looking family they're cute they're a beautiful family yeah and Janie always spoke so highly of her daughter and she was so proud of her oh lesson Janie had spent years showing leslie the ropes so that she could one day take over the family business that was what leslie had wanted and it's what they had wanted for her they had worked hard and they didn't want to just sell the company they wanted to hand it over to family okay and because they loved their daughter and that they were able to Lester and Janie gave Leslie the world. This girl didn't want for anything at any age. She went to a private school, then an expensive college, and then she completed her master's degree in one year. She was sure to live local so that she'd never be far from her parents. She'd go home on the weekends and she'd spend the weekends with her parents. Like she was, she was very much, she was a bit of a homebody. Yeah. Very close with them. And pretty much just like their good little girl yeah when she graduated her parents gifted her with a nice condo in the area it was like in the same town so she wouldn't be far oh my god a new car and a job at the family business with a very generous salary which is quite the graduation gift i will say that i yeah i mean one of those things would be quite the graduation gift oh absolutely i'm like snaps for you queen like And Leslie was beautiful. I mean, she really was. She was strikingly pretty. I think she was absolutely gorgeous. She was tall. She was this thin little brunette with a very beautiful smile. She was really smart. She worked really hard in her classes. She did all of that part herself. And she was very family oriented. I don't know how many different ways I can say it, but she really was. She was well known in the community because her parents were. Right. Um, 
and what she was known as is just being this modest sweet catholic girl who was going to take over the family business and be as successful as her parents someday oh okay by the time she was in her mid-20s though leslie was not very happy she lived a bit in her parents shadow they were well known and kind and outgoing and all of these things and leslie Moore kept to herself and really wasn't that way and she kind of didn't know if people liked her for her or if they liked her because of who her parents were or did they just want an in or are they only being nice to me because they know my parents and right. all anyone thinks I'm going to be is just this shy little Christian girl that you knew since I was a baby. Right. And she got to the point where she didn't have many friends. She didn't go out a lot. She had eventually even gotten to a point where she was isolated, where she didn't really talk to anybody. So she wasn't out and about but she wasn't really communicating with anybody else either okay so leslie joined the little rock athletic club yeah one and one day in august of 2000 she met a man at the gym who introduced himself as 36 year old mike mccool mr mccool yes mccool guy and as many of us remember the early 2000s were quite a ride we printed our map quest directions We listened to Destiny's Child, Britney Spears, maybe the Backstreet Boys. And if we picked up a magazine, it probably had Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston on the cover. Oh, most certainly. Just to give you a little sign of the times here. And when Leslie saw Mike, she fell for him. He came up to her. He flirted with her and she was sold. She was like, that's it. Here's this like older, attractive guy. He doesn't seem to know who my parents are. He said, I love I'll him. be Brad, you be Angelina. Let's, you know, make like some rabbits and adopt some kids. <laughs> <laughs> Put on your blue eyeshadow and we'll go out for a night. And then they said, I do. Um, he was the bad boy. Ooh. He loved fast and expensive cars and motorcycles and he had the money to afford it. Okay. He had the live on the edge kind of vibe, which was exactly the opposite of what Leslie was. The shy, timid right maybe awkward introvert homebody yeah Yeah. it was it was the complete opposite of who she was and everything that she'd ever dated before she'd always dated men that had been like her very active in the church people her you know parents wanted her to be with right hardworking, successful worked corporate jobs that kind of thing and this was the opposite of anything she'd ever seen it was like who is this guy and how does he have all these flashy things and it was all about appearances and you were just drawn to him you'd see him coming yeah and perhaps it was his confidence and charisma or maybe it was because he was attractive but at 24 years old leslie ballard fell and fell hard for 36 year old mike mccool okay mike mccool was always up in the gym working on his fitness and leslie was his witness to quote fergie he was short he was five foot six okay he was very tan and he had like long black hair he was he was a bodybuilder and he worked very hard to maintain a very strict routine and he was hyper aware of probably obsessed with how he looked yeah you're so vain was probably written about this guy you're so vain the man spent a stupid amount of money on clothes and if he wasn't in his super tight tank tops and short shorts to show off his physique, <laughs> he was in like the latest fashion. He just, it, all of this money and, and for what? It was just kind of ridiculous. So you're telling me he's Dangle from not Reno 911. If Dangle were a bodybuilder, edgy guy who didn't ride his bicycle, but rode like a Harley. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> Minus the cowboy boots. Um, <laughs> but this guy quite literally had the depth of the, of a puddle because right. he had to have the fastest car. He had to look the best. And he needed his girlfriend to look the best, too. Because if she didn't play the part... Okay. That wasn't that great. Now we get into it. I oh, was yes. going to say, at least he wasn't out for her money, you know, if he has... <laughs> At first, you know, if he technically has the money to afford these things, immediately my brain was like, mm, he wants something from oh, her. Oh, girlfriend, you still buckled up? Because this is a ride. I am buckled up. But damn, all right, we're getting into it. The red flags started coming. Well, despite having money, and I will clarify, not money that he earned, but money that belonged to his family that they gave him ah. because he didn't have anything other than what money could buy him. It was surface level and it was material. Yeah. All of a sudden, Leslie started to look different. Oh. Mike had encouraged her to dye her hair bleach blonde from a very dark brunette. Yeah. When like I her, saw hair, her, her hair was like darker dark. than mine. And she's now, you know, she's a bleach blonde, which she had never done before. Okay. Um. So he wanted that and she did it. And then he encouraged her to get... um. A breast augmentation surgery and she did that too what and was also focused on how good she looked because again he couldn't have a girlfriend that wasn't as hot as him and he had criteria for what that should look like including what she should wear and how her makeup should look and how she should behave that's too much control so she was at the gym constantly now to try to keep up with the her look fitness. that he had envisioned for her and now she dressed in tighter and more skimpier clothes, which was not the pretty, like, conservative dressed girl that she had been before. Right. Like, she she would get kicked out of church if she wore there what she wore around town now. Right. And if you think Mike McCool sounds like a dick, you're right. Um, yeah. Mike McCool was, in fact, actually born October 19th, 1953, making him 46 years old. Ten, what? 10 years older than he told Leslie and twice her age. That makes me pissed off. His family oh. was very wealthy. They worked in investment banking and a little background on Mike so we can get a little bit of a picture at him. Uh, in his senior year of high school, January 8th, 1972, to be exact, 18 year old Mike was having a ride with his friend. He was driving around in his car. They had stopped, I think, at like a gas station or something. Him and his other 18-year-old friend. And they're approached by these kids. And mm -hmm. I think they knew them. They probably had, you know, gone to high school with them. They These kids were like 14 and 15 year old, years old. So, like, they were probably freshmen at the time that he was a senior. Okay. And one of those kids was 14-year-old Jeff Ward and then two of his 15-year-old friends. And they asked for, a uh, like, a ride somewhere. Okay. And Mike agreed. He said, sure, you can get in. And they got in the car. And then they had been drunk, mm -hmm. these 14 and 15-year-olds. And so um, Jeff got sick in the back seat, if you will. Oh. And Mike's kind of looking back there, like, are you okay? Did, did, you, did you puke in my car? And Jeff said, no, no. You know, he's drunk and he's not going to no. tell this big dude that. I didn't. Mm -mm, the mm, puke was, was there, there when, when I got, got here. here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bro, no, I someone think, puked in your no, car. No, I, I think you puked. Did you forget to clean that up? 
<laughs> and, and again, they're kids. You know, they yeah. probably had Sorry. like cracked the yeah, lock. <laughs> they probably cracked the lock on their parents' liquor cabinet. Oh yeah. Grabbed something that they know their parents wouldn't drink and ran off with the it. The vodka they could refill with water. And so that's what they did. And they just they kind of knew this guy. Could you give us a ride to this other person's house? And they did. Yeah. So Mike's asking Jeff if he got sick in the back seat, and Jeff's telling him no. And then they get to where they're going and the kids fi- like file out and Mike gets out of the car to look at the back seat and he sees that There's he had been lied to. So instead of handling it as an adult or dealing, you know, I mean, this is a child you're talking about, a drunk child, but still a child, even yeah. though he himself is still kind of a child. Um, he became enraged. Oh, and he ended up punching Jeff in the head. Oh, which knocked him right over. This kid hit the ground oh. hard and he hit his head off of a brick. Oh, my gosh. And then he just lay there. That um, OK. So then Mike's like, get up. Yeah. And Jeff's not getting up. And he starts to like kick him a little bit. And he's like, you need to get up. And Jeff kind of comes to, but he's not really doing well. And Mike just takes off with his friend in the car. They're like, I don't know what the hell's going on with this kid, but I'm not dealing with it. So he leaves. It turns out that the friends got them inside the house of where they were going. And then all of a sudden, Jeff was unwell. He was brought to the hospital and he died of a hemorrhage in his head. Oh, my gosh. So this 14 year old, he hit one time. That is insanity. Fell back, hit his head in the right spot. No one got medical attention for him because no one thought it was that bad. Mike took off and didn't give a shit. That's stressful. Now, Mike hadn't meant to kill him, obviously, but he didn't do anything to help when it was obvious that Jeff wasn't okay. Right. So he was originally charged with first degree murder, which was definitely reaching because you have to prove intent with first degree murder and there was no intent here. Right. So it did end up getting dropped to manslaughter, which was a a big difference. And the judge, after consulting with the Ward family, so Jeff's family, mm-hmm. actually agreed to drop drop the charges altogether, which was unheard of. And he agreed to this only if Mike enlisted in the Marines, kind of being like, I don't think you're a bad kid, but you need some... You need some structure. You need structure, yeah. you need discipline, and you need to be a man. It's kind of like this idea that he, this is the, he had in the 70s, you know, yeah. this is what he told him. So Mike was like, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'll do whatever you want me to do. He literally yeah. just got away with murder. So he agreed. He was like, yeah, well, you tell me to jump. I'll say how high. I don't have to do a day of prison time. Which, you know, um, unfortunately, not everybody has the same outlook when they get off yeah. with stuff like that. So at least there's that. But, but at the end of the day, a 14 year old still died. And even though it wasn't his intent, I think you could see like, Mike wasn't thrilled about this. He wasn't like, oh, yeah. I'm glad the kid died. But he did hit him he did punch him hard enough in the head that the kid fell back you could tell he wasn't right and then you took off yeah it's icky like you are liable you know yeah so he did what was asked of him he did actually enlist in the marines and i'm pretty sure he dropped out of high school to do it oh wow So he was already 18 at this time in the school year right so he just I don't know if maybe that was the agreement that he had to do it and so many whatever. I'm pretty sure a judge would say no finish school first, but whatever. He said right. F school. Maybe this was his excuse to get out of there. Yeah. And he did it. And he did go into the Marines. 
once he was done after he did the time that he's supposed to do i think he was out in california for that so now he's back and he moved back to little rock where his parents still lived and just continued to literally get everything that he wanted oh nice so now he's like 24 ish oh and he's what's back. that leslie is just born <laughs> i know right yeah. i know his parents funded this lavish lifestyle that he had pretty much as soon as he got back. What did they do? They were investment bankers. They were loaded. Damn. And he might have always been busy, but Mike was not always working. Yeah. I'll put it that oh, way. Oh, there, there's differences. He would make illegal sales and he would run cons on people more often than he'd work a nine to five. He was all, again, all about how he could get rich from not having to do anything how can you get something for nothing i feel like if people put in half the energy into like real work the way they do into like cons to get around work they'd be doing just as well i'm like you'd be doing decent and you could yeah. probably sleep better at night knowing that you're not being a scumbag and not have to look over your fucking shoulder to see who's catching up with you mm-hmm. like so then mike okay. was arrested after stealing lumber from a lumber yard and then he was sentenced to a year of probation for that which is odd because i know that there's a lot of psychology and why people steal and it doesn't always have to do with a need yeah right if 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 a woman is stealing baby formula yeah because she's got an infant she can't feed is very different than the person who's got pockets loaded or just you know doesn't but doesn't need to and just tries to like steal a pack of gum for the thrill of that right there's a difference there yeah with him it wasn't like he was wanting for this but he had started like some construction business or something and he just wanted to like steal the lumber. It was like Cut literally costs. anything he could do to just get something for nothing. It's just this criminal thinking over and over again. Get richer quicker by doing all of the ethical things poorly. So again, at 24, Mike's like, you know what? I'm going to settle down. I'm going to do it. So he marries his first wife. Her name's Julia. She was 21 at the time. Mm. And after a few years, they divorced and he married another woman. And during this marriage, he was arrested for writing bad checks. And instead of doing any time, again, he was sentenced to probation. Oh. And once that probation period was up, he ran a con on a gym owner and stole $400,000 from the business account, got sued by the owner, and then filed for bankruptcy. Mike McLean. So after this, he and his second wife divorced. Mm. Mm. Good for her. Now, at 37 years old, we're going to fast forward just a little bit here. Mike started dating 21-year-old Tina. Okay. He's like the Leonardo DiCaprio of fucking Little Rock. Yeah. He said, no, you're so sexy. Don't turn 25. (laughs) (laughs) No. Ooh. Oh. I liked you so much better when it was inappropriate. (laughs) Boo. (laughs) I liked you so much better on your parents' insurance. Oh, um, <laughs> me so too. He started dating Tina again, 21. Now, Tina gave birth to their child soon after. Oh, Tina. So they had a baby. This Tina, is his Tina, first Tina. baby. And after an argument with Tina, Mike lost his shit. Okay. He barricaded himself in the home with their infant daughter. Oh, good. That's healthy. And fired a few rounds off toward his wife, who was at the neighbor's house. Oh. Now, apparently the story is that she was over at the neighbor's house, either babysitting their kids or chatting with the neighbor or something. And he accused her of cheating on him with this neighbor. So as 
a response to this, he oh so healthily barricaded himself in and like shot rounds off and it no one got hurt it didn't really hit anything but it was like the threat of the violence and that he was like uh yeah psychologically that's a lot and their baby was in the home that's endangering the welfare of a child oh it is or two if you count a 21 year old which i might (laughs) (laughs) so then he threatened to kill tina and their toddler so the toddler that's in the home with him he's like well i'll kill you and her and like no it's criminal threatening and conspiracy to commit murder if we put all the lyrics you've just sang in this episode (laughs) together we'd have a banger oh yeah um (laughs) this turned into a standoff with the police oh so he ended up you know getting talked down after like five hours or something but like they were like swat team engaged people setting up a perimeter like this was that's this was not just a little like dispute between husband and wife this wasn't a dispute between neighbors this ended up being a multi-agency deal he did end up surrendering and walking Mm. out but it was the principle of the thing yeah so he ended up getting charged with terroristic threatening holy hell guess what he was sentenced to nothing five years probation so uh yes and this guy needed to do time so bad but he just got probation sentence after probation sentence and you know how the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different outcomes Uh uh-huh does this mean that the judges were insane perhaps honestly what is wrong with doing a three-year sentence 30 days right now two years and 11 months suspended on good behavior get enough time in there to be like oh shit this is a realistic possibility and now go beyond good behavior. Let's see how that goes. They just kept giving him break after break after break. And his crimes grew in intensity and severity and had led to this like explosive standoff. And so I just I don't care money wise what he had, whatever that is. He just kept getting probation and some sort of intervention beyond probation was so necessary. And it was so yeah. clear that it was necessary. So instead of kicking his ass out, Tina stayed with him. Tina, baby girl, you deserve better. Yeah, emphasis on baby girl. And then she had another kid by him. Oh, Tina, baby, baby girl. <laughs> so then he had written another bad check, as he liked to do, got more probation. And then he tried to run a scam on a Home Depot where he like flashed a fake police badge at employees <laughs> to try to get away with it. Like what when they idiot. confronted him. and. Literally knowing that it was probably bought at like fucking Party City. They called the police on him. The real police. So the people with the real badges showed up. And they're like, oh, yeah, that is a heavier metal than his. (laughs) And he got arrested, which was good. Good. And then he got sentenced, which was bad because he got probation again. Again? For the win. Oh, my gosh. You know what? At first, I was like, these judges be crazy. But now I see that they just really, really love probation. I'm like, what are the kickbacks you're getting for They're giving like, probation? Probation can change you. As if, right? As, I'm sure all of the women did the same thing. I can change you. And the judge is like, I can change you. Here's probation. And he's so, like, great. You the kicker here, the little the little difference is they did actually sentence him to some jail time. I want to oh, say it shit. might have been 30 days, but don't quote me on it. Okay. But instead of serving those 30 days consecutively, they still let him have a life. So all he had to do was serve weekends until they added up to the number of days that they wanted. Are you kidding? I wish. I, mm, that doesn't matter. That does nothing. 
That does zero. Not even a little bit. No. Okay. He probably pre-gamed it, went in shit-faced, had a time, slept in Saturday. Had a cards from the nurse on Sunday. Played cards, went to the gym, played basketball outside, had dinner, slept, woke up, left the next morning. I don't give a dimsdale (laughs) dimadam what you're doing, what's wrong with you, whatever. This man should have been incarcerated so many fucking times. He had so a many summer times. camp every weekend. Yeah. And like three hops in a cot, woke up, yawned, yep. farted, and left. That's what this <laughs> is. did it back in on his way out. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> he said, and that's for you. <laughs> and that's it. And that's for you. Ugh. Good so, luck smelling my poops, bitches. <laughs> so Mike was still legally married to Tina when he met Leslie. And that's where we kind of pick Mike, up. Mike, 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 it is hump day and it's not Wednesday for you, is it? <laughs> <laughs> no. Aww. So back to Leslie and Mike. This okay. new version of Leslie did not even resemble the daughter that the Ballards knew. Her right. personality changed just as much as her look. Their modest Christian daughter was nowhere to be found and had been replaced with a bleached plastic version, basically. Mm. And she began doing things that she never would have done before. And many of these actions had direct consequences on her family. Of course. She had, again, been working at the printing company that her family owned. And, of course, it was still in their plans at this time that she would eventually take it over. Right. And with that came access to a lot of the company's money. And she had a company credit card. And she began using this company credit card to go on extravagant vacations with Mike. Well, that ain't it. And remember, this is while they were giving her more and more rain. Right. So they were priming her to take it over. And this behavior squashed their plans that they'd had for decades for their business and for their daughter. Like, she wanted the money, but she didn't want to have to work for it. Right. She was half-assing her job. She was barely showing up. And if Mike wanted her to do something, she was doing that instead. The strain on their family relationship only worsened when Lester and Janie sat Leslie down and confronted her. Okay. They confronted her about the spending, but more importantly, they expressed their sincere concern for her. They felt that she was being taken advantage of and used for her money. Because sure, he had money, but she was spending money. Right. It seemed like she was spending a ton of money. So I don't care how much he has. doesn't seem like he's digging into his pockets too much. Yeah, regardless of whether or not he does have it. And they also brought up that a man made her feel like she had to change everything about herself to keep him. That's a good parenting moment. And Mike had even lied about his age. He wasn't in his 30s. He was in his late 40s. Did Leslie know this by now? Her parents, I'm pretty sure, were the ones that ended up telling her. Eventually, she ended up knowing it. Okay. But it's because her parents ran a background check on him because they just didn't think it fit. And then they got all of the information about... Holy his hell. past, including literally killing a child, which he was 18 at the time, even though Jeff was 14. So the, none of this was sealed, obviously. Right. Who knows what was in his juvenile record? I like to think that there's something, but I'm not aware of it. Yeah. As I mean, frankly, as it should be with the juvenile record, but probably. But I, I think that right at, I mean, three months into his 18th year was the first time. I don't think so. Not with this guy's record. Also, not with 
the strength and the umph of the first thing that happened, you know? So her parents were mortified. They were like, yeah. what the fuck? Like finding all of this Who out is- and they're finding out how old he is. So this may have been the time that they told her and maybe she already knew okay. at this point. But he had introduced himself as, hi, I'm 36 year old Mike McCool. Yeah. Which is like, you fucking scrub. Anyway. <clears throat> Mike McDrool. So they ha- had this heart to heart conversation with her. They're pleading with her to listen and she didn't. Right. After three years of dating, Leslie married Mike McCool in 2002. No. Oh, yes. This was the last straw for Janie and Lester. They had financially helped her out pretty much her entire life. Although some of it she had earned herself. A lot of it, and especially in these later years here, she hadn't done. They had they had fronted the bill and they put their foot down. They weren't going to support the lifestyle that they wholeheartedly disagreed with. Absolutely. This partying and clubbing and bleaching everything and changing everything and having to have big cars and just spend, spend, spend. This is not how they raised her. And also, it wasn't who they were. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds entirely antithetical to their life. Like, and if they're, yeah, if they're giving, they're passing down all of the things that they want and they had this expectation that she was going to do that too. Hell, she doesn't have to. Yeah. You know, she's her own person, but... They also have the right to say, these are our rules. They're also their own person. You know? Yeah. So they don't have to agree with what you're doing, and they don't certainly don't have to fund it. No. In fact, it's amazing that they gave the graduation gift they did, let alone another 10, 15 years of fronting the bill. I mean, she didn't have to want for anything at any time. And I can understand having disagreements with family, all of that. And I know that she was their only child together and she had been the one that was invested in the business that had dreamed of taking it over that did work hard that wasn't afraid of hard work that was like they were so proud to be able to pass this down to their only child and then she meets this man and she's this bleached tanned entirely different version who's selfish and kind of greedy and lazy now and they're like who is this we're not you can do what you want with your life. That's completely right. fine. But I don't have to pay for it. And you frankly, know? like, it is concerning. A drastic personality change, a drastic lifestyle change. All of that is worrisome, regardless of the presence of a man. Mm-hmm. And then you add in the presence of a man twice your age and, you know, line up the timelines and he's the catalyst. Hell no. It's just it's really not good. What was once a tight knit inseparable family was now in shambles. Leslie and her parents were estranged at Holy this point. Holy shit. Everything changed even more in the summer of 2003. Lester fell ill from complications with his liver, and he got increasingly worse. And unfortunately, he actually passed away in hospice care in August of that year. He wasn't, ev- he wasn't even 70 yet. Oh, gosh. Okay. Janie did not know life without Les. In the beginning, it was unbearable for her. She was grief-stricken. And what made all the difference in the world for her was actually the community around her. Those same people that she had helped in their time of need really stepped up for her. Well, good, because she was genuinely there for them. So I'm glad that they're there for her. The outpouring of support and kindness she received, though she appreciated it, did not make up for the fact that she and her daughter were still estranged. And her husband is gone. And that broke Janie's heart. Of course. In a different way. And at one time, Janie, Lester, and Leslie were always together. 
Now one of them's dead. The other one's estranged. And right. she's left alone. So it had to feel like to Janie that she had lost the two most important people in her life really around the same time. Oh, I'm sure. Lester died while Leslie and Mike were on vacation in Florida. So they were out on one of their many vacations and Lester passed away. Now, Janie did not notify Leslie that her dad died. Okay. Which is wrong. Yeah. I mean, I understand being estranged, but at what point do you not put that aside? I can't speak for anybody else. I think I don't know. I I don't I wouldn't do this, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't do that, but they hadn't spoken. Leslie found out 10 days after her dad died that he had died. And when she asked a family friend if they could give her the information for the funeral because she was like, didn't want to ask her mom. The family friend was like, we just had it a few days ago. Oh, God. She didn't even get to go to the funeral. So she didn't even get to go to the services, which really takes a big piece out of her grieving and her closure to be able to have that and be surrounded by family they sort of that was that was taken from her and i can that stings i mean that's that's not good that's bad that hurts and i understand that that is hard but when she found out she didn't fly home she was still in florida when she found out she still stayed and finished her vacation well i mean yeah but then you think like they already had the funeral what is there for her to do at home Mm mm-hmm but also, like, how the fuck long were you in Florida? Yeah, I was <laughs> thinking that. I was like, 10 <laughs> days later? Holy hell. So when Leslie got home, she went to go see her mom. Okay. She walked in the home, her parents' home, and she was shocked by what she found because everything that had been her father's was gone. Oh, wow. Janie had already gotten rid of most of his belongings she had painted some of the rooms different colors Janie be grieving grieving she was basically like redecorating yeah and leslie had wanted one of her dad's shirts yeah like something of his and Janie told her that it was all gone which is also awful yeah but i think i get the sense that Janie was grieving so so bad that she just needed to like purge everything because she just couldn't take it yeah and that she couldn't consider the daughter she didn't know if she'd ever talk to again. It wasn't a thought. And Leslie just kind of showed up at her house to talk to her yeah. about it. And she's like, well, where are all these things for me? And she's like, I don't have anything for you. I'm sorry. Like, yeah. I couldn't take it. I couldn't do it. But Leslie looked at it like, oh, look at you basically celebrating now that he's dead. Mm. Because you didn't, you know, you got rid of everything so quick. So you must not even be bothered by it, which wasn't the case. Or at least we don't think was the case. I don't think it was the case. Right. Doesn't sound it. And Leslie had wanted more than what was left because all that was left was her dad's old coin collection, which I think was of value and some random miscellaneous items, which yeah. Janie was holding on to. They were not going to Leslie. Yeah. Leslie also found out some more upsetting news, upsetting to her, that rather than the million dollars she expected to get in her father's will, she learned that she was only going to be getting $25,000. So we're going to leave that there for a second. Okay. Okay. We're going to take the pin out from the very beginning. We're revisiting our case September 13th, 2003. Okay. It's about 6 a.m. Okay. And... Mickey Holloway has arrived at Janie's home. Okay. He'd been 
and the police force, the local police for many years. He and Janie had been longtime friends. And in watching one of the documentaries that I watched on this, I believe it was because the local police departments had utilized the printing company to print some of their... Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they had a business transaction, but they had owned the business for so long that they had gotten to know a lot of them pretty well. So there were friendships made there, and Mickey and her had just sort of been friends. And she had asked him to keep an eye on her because she just had a bad feeling. Who asked him to do that? Janie. Okay. Had asked her friend, officer. Yeah. Holloway to keep an eye on her, on her. Okay. Because she had a bad feeling. Oh, shit. Okay. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. So he had called her that morning as he usually did to check on her, but she didn't answer. And he thought that was really strange. So mm-hmm. he took a ride over to the home. And when he got there, he just had this eerie feeling, which you should always uh, trust your gut. Yeah. The door was ajar. Uh, the, yeah. The door from the basement to like in, no, excuse me, the garage into the home, which is not how she would have left it. And her car was gone, which was weird because she would not just leave and leave her door open. Yeah. So he went through the door of the garage into like this little den living room area and immediately he saw her body on the floor. Oh. It was a very gruesome scene. She'd lay on the floor in her own blood deceased since the day before holy hell she was stabbed so brutally that she was nearly decapitated oh from my such gosh. a large gash in her neck also visible were several stab wounds in her back and defensive wounds on her arms in total she'd been stabbed over 70 times holy so obviously he calls the police uh that's yeah. immediate but he is distraught so he is still on the scene when other law enforcement arrive, but he's not there in his professional role. He right. was um, like a crime scene tech or something like that. Right. Or like he specialized in that. And so normally he would have been the one to take care of, like process the scene. But he right. he was emo- like he was emotionally had an emotional connection to it. And they this were like, you personal, need to sit this yeah. out. Um, because he was good friends with her and because he had the soft spot for her. um they were like you like you you need you can be here because we need to talk to you but but you just need to take us like take a seat don't go back in there don't punch in yeah so Uh. obviously a few reasons he'd been removed from the scene the first is obvious he's emotional he saw his very good friend murdered yeah that'll do it they did their due diligence though and the other reason they wouldn't let him leave is because he was the only witness there he's the only person he's the first one there they needed to know did you move anything when you got here? Right. Did you notice anything else? Why were you here in the first place? What time did you get here? When was the last time you spoke with her? What did you do last night? What mm-hmm. did you do this morning? You know, I mean, you ha- they interviewed their own like they would interview their own. You know, you, you kind of have to figure yeah. out like he's still, as of right now, the last man with her, if you will. Right, absolutely. He's a suspect. And they very quickly determined that he was not of a suspect, but they did have to rule him out. And so they were stern with him to rule him out. And I appreciate that. I think that should happen more often. Now, with their conversation with mm-hmm. Mickey Holloway, he shared with investigators some pretty important information. Good. He said that Janie had confided in him recently that she was afraid for her life. Yeah. And more importantly, she was afraid that her daughter's husband... So her son-in-law 
was going to kill her because of money that she had. And she just felt that. She just thought she knew he was bad news. He was greedy and it just didn't sit right with her. Trust your gut. She wanted to change the locks on her doors. And she did. She got new keys. She updated her security system. Holy hell. And it was all because of these same concerns. She acted on this. That's good. She had even asked Mickey to check in on her daily. Right. So she asked if he could reach out in the morning and the afternoon. I mean, this is how like vigilant she was. She's like, I need someone who could do something about this to know. Right. And I'm confiding in you. Can you please check on me? And if you don't hear from me, can you come by? Right. Because this was the level of fear that she was at. She also took him around the house and showed him where she kept her most prized possessions. Most importantly, the jewelry that she kept yeah. her most, you know, most expensive and, and her favorite jewelry. She kept in like this little bowl under the sink in the bathroom. Okay. It was like a very little hidden place. She didn't keep right. it in a jewelry box or anything like that. And she just had this gut feeling that something bad was headed her way. Mm. And she's like, all right, I want like I'm going to have this security stuff set up and this is where I'm going to put this. And if you notice this is leave- missing, like this is important. I need you to look here if something happens to me. She's one of us. She's literally just trying to prepare for the absolute worst possible thing that you can ever prepare for. That's awful. And just after her husband died. Oh, yeah. Now, with this new information in their back pocket, they make their way over to Leslie and Mike's house. They need to make their next of kin notification. Right. You know, because at this point, they're like, we still need to let them know that she's deceased. But they also wanted to get a sense of how they would handle the news. Right. Of course. They wanted some eyes on them when they broke them the news to see how they reacted. And when they got there, no one was home. Okay. So that was kind of like, okay, we'll try again later. But they did leave a few officers behind to just kind of keep an eye on the house to like let them know if if they showed up at home, chat with them. Yeah. So they left a few there. At first glance, the Ballard house appeared to have been ransacked. Several items were missing. The jewelry, for example, under the sink. Pretty niche place to know. coin collection. And Janie's Cadillac, her car was missing. Yeah. There were no broken windows. There was no busted down door. There was no evidence of a forced entry. Nothing on the outside of the home. Who was able to get in or let in. Those are your words. But also mine, yes. I agree. Mm -hmm. Mm Yeah. And they started to think that the scene looked staged because some drawers were pulled out, but they hadn't been gone through. Nothing was taken. So drawers would be pulled out and dumped. But they hadn't been sifted through. Does that make sense? So it looked like someone had just tried to make it look like it had been ransacked, like people were looking through things and taking things. In reality, the only things were taken were the things of value, which was the car, the coin collection, and the jewelry. Yep. So that was odd. And it tells them not only did this look staged, but it also told them that whoever did this knew where to look for those things. Right. And that they were put in very specific secretive places that only people close to them would know if you're the perp and you enter the home to steal from this widow first of all fuck you but also you don't need to stab her 70 fucking times yeah is um i would say that's overkill even in an intentional homicide let alone like overkill give me your jewelry this was rage filled. This was personal. Oh, yeah. There was no doubt about that. You don't stab somebody 70 times. And I'm pretty sure and it's it's awful and I don't mean to make light of it, but I'm pretty sure a comedian had done like a 
like a skit and it's like do you know how, how long it takes yeah to stab somebody like however many times and like the effort that that takes and I, i'm not making light of it but this is quite literally something that it wasn't a two second oh no what did i do yeah no this it takes was minutes this is effort you are going to get fatigued like your yeah your arm is going to get tired your body is going to react you're going to sweat at this this is not just i mean as simple as it is to pull the trigger or to stab somebody one time that is a split second decision that you can regret immediately afterwards and to go back and get that back splatter from the blood and to go back and you're probably hitting your own self because now your hands are slippery and you've got a knife and to continue to do that over and over and over again, like you have time to fucking go get a snack and come back and keep going. Like this is that's a lot of time. This is minutes. And this woman, while she had very deep, like defensive wounds, a few of those wounds in she's not fighting back anymore. No, of course she's just not, not able to because she's dead from 10 stab wounds before you do the next 60. She had been stabbed in the head. Oh, gosh. Where it had pierced her skull. Oh, my gosh. She had been stabbed in the back so deep that it had gone through her body and came out the other side. Oh. She had deep defensive wounds that the coroner reported were like some of the worst he'd ever seen because she was fighting so hard. Well, good. She's a fighter, but what if. And it seems like at the very end, to be sure that she was dead, her neck was slit ear to ear. Wow. This was so rage-filled, so angry, That's fucking but depraved. so crazed, and I, I, I don't even have words. It was so vicious, but time-consuming, and I think that's what gets me, because this isn't something that you can just do in a matter of a minute. No, it's not, get out of my way, I have another priority here, and you're in the way. And if you were just going there to st- steal from her hell you could have tied her up left her alive yep and left you didn't do that and so that's that's where they're really leaning into who would hate her or be so angry right who would do that now they determined that these wounds were consistent with a butcher knife okay but this knife was not present at the scene so they didn't have the murder weapon there yeah now police had made a few calls of their own about both Leslie and Mike McCool, not the McCool couple, if you will. The McCool. And they found out about Mike's history. And while obviously no one thought it was intentional, they know he's capable of killing somebody and didn't Absolutely. really seem to lose much sleep over it. So we'll put it that way. Seemingly. And then they started to interview people that were close to Janie. Some of those friends... Some of those, you know, other other people that were kind of in her inner circle that she would have trusted, especially given what she had recently been through with her husband yeah. passing away. A lot of people had kind of tightened their ranks around her and everything. So she probably right. saw them more recently than they previously had. And these interviews revealed a lot. They said that Mike and Leslie were angry that Leslie was cut out of her father's will almost entirely. Lester, I mean, kinda. Lester had cut her out because of his disapproval for this new lifestyle and how she was not the person they knew anymore and she'd become vain and selfish and conniving which was upsetting to them all in and of itself because the plan had always been to leave everything to Janie and Leslie but then Leslie married Mike and Lester didn't want them to profit from it right he knew he wasn't doing well and he changed his will before he died because he okay. couldn't 
he was like, I will not fund this, this lifestyle that I yeah. couldn't disagree with more. So he left her $25,000. And to me, that sounds like a lot of money. Yeah, Something I, was I would be say, like, oh, so very grateful for. And I what know have you. for her standard and what she was expecting, 25000 is a lot less than a million dollars. But $25,000 is a lot more than zero dollars. I also think that when your loved one dies, the last, the money doesn't matter. No. The money is, okay, can I square away their bills and make sure that I can yeah. put them to rest appropriately? The money that you get is how much of their financial situation do I need to take care of with this? What kind of funeral can I afford? Anything left over is like, great, I really need a consolation ice cream. And that's about it. Like, <laughs> those are the things. But that's not what went through her mind. And I think when you're expecting a million dollar company and more cash than you know what to do with, 25 grand feels like a kick in the tits. Probably. But it probably also felt like a kick in the tits for someone to raise you this way your yeah, entire I'd, life. I'd and argue then, they got the worst kick in the tits. Oh, yeah. No, Absolutely. So when Lester died, he had everything go to just Janie. Again, okay. that $25,000 was like in this separate clause, like a separate policy thing that he had. And that was just to go to her. But yeah. the business, everything else that they had told her she'd been primed for and all of that, he was like, no. Mm-mm. And Mike and Leslie were enraged because Mike was still bankrupt. Remember when he had filed for bankruptcy? Oh, yeah. I mean, sure, he got his family's money whenever he wanted it. But that well was starting to dry up because they're like, dude, you're like 50. Yeah. Like, come on, man. And he would rather work so damn hard at not working than to work that it was just so frustrating. (laughs) And while he looked like he had this endless fountain of riches, the truth was he was barely getting by. Right. So when Lester... Family paycheck to family paycheck. When Lester died, he saw dollar signs. So then he finds out that Leslie was cut out of the will and his payday wasn't going to come. He was bullshit. And then they look at the will and he sees something. He sees that there's a clause in the will that says that if Janie died within 30 days of Lester dying, then everything would be left to Leslie. I mean, why are we printing that out in the will and giving it to these people? Maybe that's a common clause or something like that, but there needed to be a default or something. And maybe Janie didn't have hers, whatever. I mean, who knows? But they got a copy of the will and Mike's like, you see that? He said, that's, that's our money bags, That's baby. our ticket. The dollar signs are back. Mike claims to have an alibi. Okay. He is finally spoken to. Oh, good. As right. is Leslie. We've caught up with him. And he's got a story for them. Oh. He is beside himself over the death of his mother-in-law. I'm sure he is. Because they were so close. Naturally, as you are. They got along so well. Oh. And he loved her dearly. So much. And mind you, her body was found at like six in the morning. By this evening, they're being interviewed. Like this this wasn't weeks in between. Like they got them right as they got home. Good. And he's like, what? She's, what? Leslie had like no reaction. She's like comforting Mike. Because his reaction is so over the top. Okay. But his alibi is that he was in Hot Springs September 13th. So, you know, like that mm-hmm. whole time. She was like, it couldn't have been me because he was visiting his parents because they didn't, it was like an hour or so away or something like that. Mm. Or maybe even, maybe more than that. He was out of town. So oh, I don't know okay. how it could have been me. It wasn't me. 
He claims to not know what was in the will. He's like, I don't know what she's being left. I've got no idea. And then after his interview was conducted, he was released and they were like, yeah, you're good to go. And he's like, is it all right if I wait here for Leslie to come out? Because it was Leslie's turn to talk. And they were like, yeah, sure. So he sat on a bench in the hallway, fell asleep. And when he woke up, he made a paper airplane and flew it down the hallway. Like, that's how unbothered he was by this whole situation. I mean... I mean, come on, guy, is what I have to say about that. Also, and now, I mean... I'm so sorry, because I promise I took my meds today. But where the fuck did he get a piece of paper from? Was he like, hey, officer, can I steal that uh, affidavit you have there? I want to know where he found the audacity. Where? Where, Dwight? Where? <laughs> I think you already know where. <laughs> Leslie's- Up his ass. <laughs> <laughs> Leslie's interview goes differently, though. Okay. So Mike denied, 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 denied. They had nowhere to go. They hit like a brick wall with this guy. Yeah. This mastermind that he is. And we'll oh. talk about him in a little bit. But Leslie's goes very differently. She tells investigators that the relationship between Mike and her parents was fine. Oh. And it wasn't until they literally looked at her and were like, that's horse shit. Why don't you start telling us the truth? We know, like, we, we, we know. know that your mom was concerned. We know about the will. We know about all of this. So, like, if at any point you feel like not being an asshole, we'll Let move forward know. in the nicest way. Mm. Mm. So, they you know didn't, what I love? Mm? I love the phrase, all due respect. Because nothing respectful comes after that. Well, also, it's like, it's whatever respect is due. If you have no respect that should be due to you, it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah, with all, all due, due respect, respect, she's an asshole. Yeah, absolutely. So we've got that going for us. Anyway, but sorry. But when they're sitting with her, they're not thinking that she's done this. They're thinking that Mike did it and that... She's covering. That she's covering and that, you know, maybe she's afraid. They're trying to piece together what could have happened, but they're right. not thinking that she's the assailant here. But regardless, 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 regardless... Your father is dead, and now your mother is dead in mm. less than 30 days. Mm-hmm. Um, 24, Don't to be, be a fucking asshole. I yeah. don't know. Don't like, be a greedy murderer. I mean, I don't know how else to... This is like Grant Amato shit. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, it really is. So, they just like, hey, we think like, we know Mike did it. Can you just admit it? Yeah. She's like, no. But they're surprised with what she does share. Because she admits to being the one who killed her mother. What? But she only did it because Mike made her. Mm. She said that they found out that the only way for her to get really any money, you know, because like 25 grand, nothing. Um, the only way for her to not get fucked out of an inheritance was that Janie needed to die within the 30 days. And the clock was ticking because it had already been like 20 days. Right. So... When Mike realized that... But normally I prepare better for these things. He would not take no for an answer. He came up with a plan to kill Janie. And Leslie claimed <sighs> that she was afraid of Mike. That she had to do what he said and when he said it or there were consequences to be paid. And that in this particular situation, Mike said that if Leslie didn't kill Janie, he would kill Janie and he'd kill her. So that there were like no witnesses because you're either with me on this or you're against me. And then I'll get the million dollars to myself. So she didn't see a way where her mom wouldn't die. So she's like, I'll just kill her. This is her version of this anyway. Okay. So she said that Mike woke her up that morning and said, get ready. We're going to your mom's house. 
which she knew to mean it was time to kill her. And she said that she protested this, but he didn't care. Not enough to not do it. He ordered her to dress in all black, put on a wig, and that he would drop her off like down the road from her mom's house. She was to hide in the bushes and wait for her mom to get home from work and then sneak in the door before it closed, which is what she did. Yeah, that will stop it. Once she did, she slipped in the door behind her and then she stabbed her. And Mike told her that he needed, she needed to be sure to stab her in the chest. That's the only way to be sure that she's dead. Now, when asked how many times she stabbed her, she said like six or seven times, which I don't know how you forget about the other 63 times. I'm going to be honest with you. But she seemed to remember that it was just a few times. Yeah, 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 yeah. For sure, for sure. If you black out for an hour in between. Then Leslie looked around the house knowing what she was looking for because she knew what remained of her dad's things. And she knew where her mom kept her jewelry. So she took just that. She took the coin collection. Then she tried to pawn it. And the pawn shop wouldn't buy. Good. Um, The jewelry and the car. And then drove and dumped her mother's car in a high crime neighborhood where it was stolen literally like that day. So someone made out with a Cadillac. Mike then picked her up. Again, they tried to pawn the coins. That didn't happen. And then they went to Mike's parents' house in Hot Springs where they like had this little fire outside and burned the clothes that she was wearing. Mm -hmm. And like any other evidence in the fire that they could. She had ditched the butcher knife in like a lake or something like that nearby and uh that was that so she believed that the evidence was gone and then like an hour later uh i guess mike told her that she had done a very bad job and had messed everything up and naturally they were going to get caught so he kept a piece of evidence to hold against her should it come to that so that she leaves his name out of her mouth damn Okay. She made it like one hour in the interview before she put his name right in her mouth. Oh, Um, yeah. But with this information, Mike was arrested and he was read as Miranda writes. And again, he refused to talk. Naturally. Right up until he didn't. Right. So I'm going to read you the actual conversation that happened in a cruiser while Officer Bracey was moving or excuse me, was bringing Mike McCool back to the station. Okay. <clears throat> so McCool says, can you kill the music while I ask you something? Which I'd love to know if they were listening to like classical, like what it was. But the officer's like, yeah, sure. What's up? He goes, I don't really know if you'll tell me the truth or not. And the cop goes, okay. <laughs> he goes, but I'm going to ask you anyway. <laughs> he goes, go ahead. Go on. Goes, yeah. Is it good to be up front with them? You're going to say yes. And the officer goes, yeah, I mean, I would say yes regardless. If you didn't do it, say you didn't do it. And if you did do it, I mean, that's up to you. I'd be up front. But that's me, okay? I can't tell you how to do your thing. And he's being very... Right. That's how he needs to react because he's been Mirandized. Oh, yeah. And he's saying, I don't want to talk without a lawyer. But then he goes, hey, can you kill the music? I want to talk to you about something. So he's revoking that by doing it. But the cop's like, I'm not trying to get anything out of you right now, bud. Nope, just do whatever you're going to do. So McCool says, yeah. And then the cop goes, but of course, I'm going to say, yeah. Wouldn't you expect somebody to be up front with you with everything? And McCool goes, if I was actually busted, I mean, actually busted, (laughs) I would think first 
whatever they told me would be used against me. And Bracey said, well, let me ask you that here. Would you ask me that question if you were not guilty? McCool goes, of the charges? And he goes, yeah, would you? He goes, probably no. Ain't got no reason to. (laughs) (laughs) And then he just slowly turns back up. Your toxic gums up and under. (laughs) (laughs) This, ready? I just can't even get, get, would you have asked me that question? Would you have asked me if you should be honest? If you weren't guilty. Probably not. He goes, of the charges? As if, no, the fucking, uh, uh, what? No, I mean, like, if you feel guilty for eyeing some other chick's ass. Like, yes, of the fucking murder charges, McCool. And the officer's like, yeah, would you? He goes, no, probably no, wouldn't I? Wouldn't, <laughs> like, I probably wouldn't ask you that. Why would it come up? Ain't got no reason to. Yeah, I ain't got no reason to. So, this is like this high caliber that we're working with here, okay? Like, firing on all cylinders. We are just fucking after it really the brightest bulb in the box he's like probably asking if they can stop it like take out real quick like you got a minute you have a cigarette you know one of these so can i bum a honey garlic chicken off you then he changes his Uh, story because he's now he's talking he's like well shit now i gotta say it's now he says that leslie dressed in all black and had a backpack and asked him to drive her to the mother's house Mm-hmm. So she just approached him, ready to go. Said, "Can you give me a ride?" He and said, "Yup." Officer's like, "I'm fucking driving. Can you yep. tell me this when I can write it down?" So they're apparently they're in the car. She's like, "Can you bring me to my mom's house?" He drops her off and he leaves because he's like, "I don't know what she was gonna do there. I gotta go see my parents." So when he asked her why she wanted to go there in the first place she didn't really answer him and apparently he didn't press it which just is like he's not the kind of guy that would just be ignored he's got like way too big an ego he would like demand her to answer him also like oh you don't want to tell me why you want to go to your estranged mother's house with a backpack and a wig on just wondering just wondering all right gypsy oh so so Apparently, she called him like two hours later to be picked up. And yeah. He picked her up. And when he asked what happened, she apparently said that her and her mother had an argument and she ended up stabbing her. But it was like an accident or something like that. And Mike then said when she was disposing of the evidence that he had saved a shirt of hers to use as leverage because now he feared like she would try to frame him or try to kill him too and she wanted to make sure that she would get caught for that in some way no Mm. there's a lot of holes in that yeah Okay. Everything out of his mouth is like Swiss cheese. Like there's holes in everything. There's nothing about this that makes sense. And they knew that because I Leslie was honest. Uh, She actually told the truth. She did do it it was a plan. He was in on it. He's claiming he had no idea. Now, ultimately, they were both charged with Janie's murder. Good. Leslie filed for divorce. Good. Which is hilarious. A little too little too late, but good. And their trial trials were held separately. Leslie's trial was first. Okay. And she kind of went in there saying that Mike had been so abusive that he made her kill her mom. She didn't want to. Um, This was discredited quickly because though Mike was a dick, she had ample opportunity to alert law enforcement and she did not rely on him financially. Yeah. A lot of those boundaries and barriers that people have to get out or report things are 
mostly to do with the fact that you are dependent on them in some way and really he was dependent on her she was not dependent on him okay so financially she would have been fine so there was really not a whole lot he was holding over her except the fact you know she wanted to now they come back they're like no you killed your mom because you wanted to and like because you were greedy and also again they found the clause in the will that would guarantee her two million dollars yeah it's a lot of fucking money so she claimed that she had planned to leave him and that she went to her mom's house to talk to her about it and that she didn't kill her and that she had gotten a copy of the will and she hid it at home because she knew what mike would think but mike ultimately found it read it and saw that same clause that she did and said no we need to do this he said no i want two million dollars and when she presented in court she had her dark roots grown out so her bleach blonde hair had started to grow out she had her dark brown hair under it she wore baggy clothing a little bit like how she would have dressed in her past and she did not look like the bleached and tanned version of herself that she had most everything that she had said in terms of trying to vilify Mike and that he made her do it was discredited. Again, for the reasons that we talked about, but also because she was the one with the most to gain here. Right. There was no doubt about it. She went into that home. And even if he had made her kill her, maybe she would have stabbed her once. She yeah. stabbed her 70 times. That's a lot. She was getting back at her for not only the, the greed issue but also likely not being notified of her dad dying, not going to the funeral, not getting any of his belongings. There was a lot of emotion involved there, and I think that's pretty evident with the scene. But ideally, the only reason that she needed to die was to guarantee her that money. And the time was running out. She had less than a week to complete this. I mean, I know that it's wrong, and I, I genuinely truly from the bottom of my heart believe that it's wrong to not tell your child that their father died i do too specifically not even do it in time for a service i get that 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 fucking blows yeah that hurts but you work through that in therapy you don't kill your mom also you can't work through if your mom's fucking dead just i mean maybe that's easy to say but if we're not putting those two and two together that's four you can't do that I just, I find it a a little fucking ridiculous. I mean, don't get me wrong. I have no, absolutely no doubt either that Mike had his fair share of abusive tendencies. That man does not strike me as like a kind and gentle loving soul. No, look what he did to Tina. Exactly. But, I mean, if you were there alone, baby girl, why are you stabbing your mom 70 times? And I I get it. She has more of an emotional motive than he does. So I'd be shocked if he stabbed her 70 times. It's a lot of work for a guy who just wants a quick payout. I mean, he has shown time and time again, he does not like work. Mm -mm. But what the fuck? Okay, sorry. No, I'm processing. But it's it's true. And that's and that's where it comes from. And while I think that Mike really. Did he persuade her in a lot of ways? No doubt. In my mind, no doubt at all. But he didn't plant those seeds. And even if he did, he didn't water them. You know, like. (laughs) Well, and that's the thing. It's like he didn't they didn't make anything that wasn't already evident. In her and while she her personality had been nothing like that 
before she met him in the years she was with him this is who she was right and this murder wasn't anything short of rage personal Mm -hmm. anger all of it overkill to the max yeah and then to ensure that she was dead she nearly decapitated her own mother (laughs) nice there is no way that she was persuaded to do that forced to do that coerced to do that and that's really what they leaned on here (sighs) and on may 28th 2004 she was found guilty and she was sentenced to life without parole good now in mike's trial they claimed wait is he like 60 now because i totally forgot he's a billion years older than her (laughs) (laughs) he's in his 50s okay so in mike's trial they claimed that um you know, he didn't know that she was going to go kill Janie when he <laughs> dropped her off and all of that. But it was very clear he was just as greedy. She testified in the trial against him, even though she didn't have to. Yeah. She'd already been sentenced. She'd already, you know, she this, she didn't benefit from testifying at all. Right. But she did. And her story stayed the same from the day that she was interviewed, the day that her mom died up until she testified for the last time in, in Mike's trial. Yeah. And obviously he wasn't believed because he was not the innocent one here and he was not the victim yeah. of anything. And he was also sentenced to life, but he will be eligible for parole when he is 82 years old. Why? Well, just last week we talked about Chester. Yeah, you're right. And he got out at like 82. Yeah. So I guess there's something. Um, so he is currently in a supermax prison, but you can actually look it up and I have linked it to find out what he's been in trouble for since he's been there. And he has been punished for, uh, battery, intoxication, and theft. You know, that prison hooch, it'll make you do some crazy things. Now, Leslie, back to her maiden name. Although if you look online, it does still say Leslie McCool. And I do wonder if that's because that was the name that she had when she was charged. Probably. And like sentenced, but has since, I guess, changed her name back to Ballard, which is rich because you don't deserve that name. Look what you did to that family. Yeah. She has been in trouble for theft in sexual activity since she's been in prison. Ooh. And she will never get out. She will die there. It's not gay if it's in a three-way. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that is the case that is of Janie Ballard's murder, which is horrible. Awful. And you can tell that she was just heartbroken and disgusted with who her daughter became, that that was why she didn't notify her. She was probably like, you don't even give a shit. Like, you've you've shown for years now that you literally couldn't give two shits less. Why am I going to call you? Simply so So you can come sniffing out of the woodwork to try to see what what, what money you're going to get. And then that's exactly what what she did. What check I can write you, yeah. You know, it's like, well, do I think it's really a shame that she didn't go to her dad's funeral yes do i think that it changed the outcome not at all i think no matter what if they saw that will within the 30 days it was game over there they had already perked up they had already seen the dollar signs they had already found their ticket yeah to the money that they already believed that they were owed that it didn't matter if she had gone to the funeral or she didn't well and also you know i'm just devastated it's so unneeded it's so unnecessary and ah i mean i always say that i get really frustrated with entitlement and i do i think it's one of my biggest problems like working with people dealing with things i 
have such a difficult time dealing with people's entitlement. Because, like, this world ain't fair. Don't nobody owe you shit. But greed is so fucking close as a second where I'm like, how? Why? What's the fucking point? Because this is morbid and this is gross. But, like, had she waited 30 years, she'd probably still get $2 million fucking dollars. Or how about you try to make your own money? How about you actually start taking things seriously and run the business like you said you were going to, and then you can, you can do it yourself. Or, um, I don't know, don't run the business and make it some other way because the business is also a gift from your fucking parents. Maybe do anything on your own. And also, Mike, um, I don't know, maybe don't be a fucking creep. Don't be an 80-year-old hitting on a 50-year-old. It's not cute. It is kind of cringy, though. It's awful. And frankly, everything... And he didn't look young enough to be like, I'm in my 30s. I'd be like, the shit you are. I'd be like, I don't know what kind of shit you're smoking and what skincare you're not using, but stop it. <laughs> like, he did not fit the part. Now, he wasn't this, like, ugly guy. Like, No, I, no, he was handsome enough. He's somebody's type, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Not mine. I don't think my genetics with me being short could marry somebody that short. I think our offspring would just be too short. They'd um, be itty bitties. And like the little trolls. I think that's why, like, my cave brand, my caveman brain can't, like, I, I only like long, tall, yeah, like, thin. <laughs> Drink some water. Yeah, like, they're, I'm like, if you're not, like, 6'3", it's difficult. So, I um, love that you say that and you're, like, 3'3". Three, three. It's um, true, yeah. I just, <laughs> I just want you to be twice my size. That's all. But really, no, but I think that, you know, he... He was not this unattractive, like, right. ghoulish looking guy. He was hot. And if you were into bodybuilders and things like that, he ran with the crowd. He could hold his own like the rest of them. And he had yeah. motorcycles and fast cars. And how fun to be with someone like that when you've never done that. But that's fun for like a one night stand. Will you go and fucking marry this guy? That's Do you know he's got kids? A week? Yeah. Where are his kids? Mm, better off without him. But Truly. I don't know. I just. Ugh. And I mean, also. Maybe I'm just someone who needs that, like, intellectual stimulation. Like, I need to be able to have a deep conversation. I need to be able to, like, poke your brain and be like, what's going on in there? And I need it to be more than, well, I really want a second genuine leather jacket in black, but I want this one to have gold hardware and not silver. I I need more than that. That's the level of depth that this man has. And, well, did you work out today? Your roots are coming in. You have to dye your hair again and... Can you, can you get your tits done? Like, he literally, like, inc- like everything about her shouldn't look the same. No. And it's devastating. And I hope they sag now. I don't, but I do hope that she can never fly on a plane or they might pop. She that can't go anywhere. Fun. Yeah. She's well. serving an LWAP. Yeah, but um, I don't know. They can transfer you to, like, different prisons and stuff. I just hope that they have to do it via vehicle. Bus. Yeah. So that is that. It's really awful. And I think Janie, as awful as it was in the way that she died and how hard she fought to live, but to be murdered by the person that you love more than anything in the world is just so heartbreaking. Yeah. And as an only child who's close with my family, I can't ever imagine doing that. But I also know that that relationship as an only child with your parents is a unique one. Yeah. And... Like, from only child to only child, how fucking dare you? Yeah. <laughs> like. Also. 
I mean, this might get kind of dark, but like, oh my, on a true crime podcast, girly pop, you, you're really setting yourself up for such failure. No, obviously, this is heinous. This is deprived. This is nasty. Just period to do. But also, you think and like, maybe one day you'll grow. I hope so. I I won't hold my breath, but I hope so. And when you do that, you have it guaranteed firsthand 70 times over that you will have nobody there for you. Mm -hmm. And what a disgusting self-fulfilling prophecy to make. And what an awful, greedy, like just a lackluster life to have. I mean, sure, you can have money. That's great. But if that's all you have. It also don't come with you when you die, babe. You don't have a whole lot. And like. I don't, I don't, there's always more money to be made. There is always something new to get and something new to want and all of this shit. Like, you really think you're ever going to find sustainable peace and happiness and contentment with your life? If what you care about is like, how can I make bigger buck quicker? You know? Yeah. No. That's just it. That's, just, that's so sad. I am glad that she is hopefully doing some sort of self-finding. Um, oh, we'd hope. Oh, we'd hope. Uh, hopefully she's going to therapy about figuring out whatever that sexuality thing is. Um, therapy's great. I don't know. So it's being queer, but just, you know, work through it. Don't hurt other people and you trying to do your thing. And but it doesn't seem like she cares much about that. So And don't hurt your family yeah. is really all I have to say. So I'd love to hear our listeners' feedback. I'd love for you guys to let yeah. us know. You can let us know over on Instagram. You can also see who we're talking about, the people, the places, the things, the pod pets. Oh. You can see our reprieves and resources and fun things like that. But Abby, where would they go for our Instagram page? Oh my gosh, you ask such great questions. Thank you. So if you guys like open your little Instagram app or like go online to Instagram.am, you can type in that little search bubble and you can say, I'd like to find about time for True Crime Pod with... <laughs> Periods in between every word. So that would be A-B-O-U-T, period, T-I-M-E, period, F-O-R, period, T-R-U-E, period, C-R-I-M-E, period, P-O-D, because podcast was too long and I'm almost out of breath. But if you wanted to send something longer than that, uh, which would be impressive because that's a long fucking name, you could do that to our email. And in our email, hopefully you'd send us your thoughts, your opinions, your pod pets, your case recommendations, the things you like, the things you hate. Um... And honestly, before you could do that and you were like looking at our Instagram and you're like, should I send a DM or an email? And you wanted to go to our link tree and you could see where all of our episodes are. But hey, you're already listening. You could see where our red bubble is. You could see all sorts of things that we have. If you wanted to donate to the pod, we'd give your little kisses on your little nose. And we do respond to anything that we get. So we are just so grateful for your existence and your generosity. But... You wanted to send us something longer that maybe you didn't see in there, you could definitely give us an email. But Allie, where would they do that? If you wanted to email us, you would email at about time, the number four, tc at gmail.com. So that's mm-hmm, A-B-O-U-T-T-I-M-E, numeric four, T-C at gmail.com. We would love to see you there. We hope that you rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend, repost. Share some stuff. Yeah. Leave a little comment or whatever. And if I do take a look at my watch, I believe that that was about time for true crime. Bye. Bye. Y'all give your moms a hug today.